All right. So anyway, I digress. Let's get into the word here. And uh, I'm uh, I'm kind of excited for this word for for the way the times are going right now. And uh, I'm gonna tell you what, if you can make it to the prayer groups, whew, Wednesday or Thursday night prayer, we just seek the Lord. And guess what He did? He showed up. It's crazy, huh? He's that kind of God. So. Uh, we're going to be in Ephesians 5 is where I'm going to start out at. And uh, I think all of us have read this at one point in time, or at least we've heard somebody read it. But I'm going to read it again because it's going to be the start of our message. So Ephesians 5 verse 6 says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. That's powerful. Like If you even speak of it, you should almost feel ashamed that they're doing it, you know, and we talk about the things going on in the world sometimes, what we see, and you, you just feel disgusted by it. And that's what he's talking about. Uh, but when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what will, what the will of the Lord is. And let's pray. Father God, I thank you for who you are, Lord. I thank you that, that we see you moving, Lord, mightily right now, Lord. And I, I thank you, God, I, that as we seek you, you just show up. So, Father God, I pray today that as we're here to just hear your word, Lord, that you'd get me out of your way that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, that we would take from this what you have for us, and only that, Lord. Change each of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I love that scripture. I think we've all, over the years, read that scripture saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, please, Lord, do it. Right? And uh, But last week, Pastor Chad talked about revival. And uh, a good timely word for where we were at, where we're at in the world right now. You know, you're... Right now, this Asbury outpouring thing is in 12, 15, something like that, different school campuses, which is impressive to me because it's young people just seeking the Lord. And, and I heard the president of Asbury College, when he was asked about the revival, he said, I wouldn't call it a revival yet. He said, I would call it an outpouring. Only historians will know if it's a revival. And I thought of that, and that makes a lot of sense. Because an outpouring is when the Holy Spirit comes and He pours upon the people. But a revival requires coming to life. And only the fruit of what comes from that will you even know if it's actually a true revival or not is how how people go out from there, right? And uh, so we have a great outpouring, which, hey, guess what? I'm all about an outpouring before even the revival because that's where that starts. So I'm not discounting it. I just like that He's being cautious and saying, hey, wait a minute, let's see what fruit it bears, right? And uh, so he's saying in this scripture, to awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, 
and Christ will shine on you. And uh, last week, Pastor Chad, whenever he was preaching, talked about Samson and how Samson, after he had fallen, God had shaken him. And he, it, the Scripture says he was shaken. And he realized at that moment his need for God. He realized that at that moment, the only way he would be successful is if God helps him, right? And we know he goes into the into the uh, palace area and he prays and God gives him the strength to knock the pillars over and everybody dies, including him. But he had to be shaken before he realized his need for God. And, uh, and it dawned on me in 2019, which doesn't seem that long ago, except for you think about everything we've seen ever since then, it seems like forever ago because we've been through so much. And uh, 2019... We were at a youth outing, and uh, we were praying for our cities and for our churches. And I had a group of youth there, and Hannah Smith just starts praying for our church, and she is praying heartfelt. This is shortly after she just really got on fire for God, right before she went to YWAM. And she is praying, and what starts coming out of her mouth over and over is, shake us until you wake us, Lord. Shake us until you wake us. And it hit me that that's what God would have to do to wake up his people. And we began praying it in prayer group. Shake us till you wake us, Lord. Do whatever it takes to get our attention. And then I started hearing other ministers throughout the area still praying that same thing. Lord, do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes. And how many of you know in the last two and a half years, we've been shaken? And it's like an unstopping shaking, like wake up, wake up, wake up, and we just keep getting shook. And we just keep getting shook, and we just keep getting shook. And I think it's time for us to wake up. I think God's trying to wake us up right now. I think that's why we see an outpouring, because youth of the day said, I'm tired of being shook. I need God. Right? It's, it's 25 and younger, all these movements right now. And I'm thinking... Well, all but one of us in here is 25 or two of us are 25 or older. And it can happen with us too, right? So I'm looking at this movement and I'm thinking, Lord, we need to be woke. We need to be awakened. Not woke by a worldly standard, woke by God's standards, right? Uh, so the title of this message is Rise and Shine. Because as he says in Ephesians, he didn't just say wake up. He said arise and let the light shine. Arise and change. Arise and do what the Lord has called you to do, right? And that's what a revival is. A, ri- uh, a revival is an outpouring. People are changed and then they take it out and they bear fruit. Right? It should always be something that follows that makes it a, a revival. Life has to come out of it. And that's the only way it's a revival. Uh, I'm going to be in Isaiah 51. And... uh you know, when you start looking at scriptures about being awoken or being awake, waking up, I thought, yeah, there, I, th- I know there's a couple. There are a lot of scriptures trying to tell us to wake up, a whole lot of scriptures. And for some reason, I didn't know them all, but I should. And uh, this is one I'm, I'm sure many of us have read over time period, but I'm going to go through Isaiah 51 and... Uh, 
I'm going to share this because I want us to wake up. I want God to do amazing work, not only in our country, not only in our world, not only in our city, and not only in our church, but in each of us. Right? It. Uh, I don't know. When God wakes you up, there's a different feeling about it. and uh, That's what we want. So Isaiah 51 says, Awake, awake, put on strength. O arm of the Lord, awake as in days of old, the generations of long ago. Now this is Isaiah asking God to wake up. This is Isaiah saying, God, we need you, is what he's saying. Lord, I remember all you've ever done. Do it again. Anybody know what the first part of any revival that's ever happened or any outpouring, what the first part of it ever was? Repentance. Calling on the Lord. And that's what he's doing here. Lord, we need you. Wake up. That's what I'm thinking. It's an odd thing to say because he's God and he's always working. Was it not you who cut Rahab in pieces? That's a weird statement when you hear that because we know Rahab was not cut into pieces. Rahab also means pride. He's speaking of Egypt. When Egypt was holding the people captive, he's saying, wasn't it you who put an end to that, right? Then he goes on and he says, uh, who pierced the dragon, and that's referring to Pharaoh and his strong army. Back then they thought it was the army of Egypt, or the, the dragon of Egypt was that army. So he's talking about, wasn't it you who who stopped Egypt and, and Pharaoh and his army, right? And then he says, uh, was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters that uh, of the great deep, who made the depths of the sea a way for the redeemed to pass over? And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. And he is just remembering. And sometimes we come to the Lord and we don't know how to pray. And that's maybe what we do. There's a, I shared a song with Ryan the other day. It's called uh, Already Won, I think is what the name of it. Or You've Already Won. It's talking about the battles that we fight that God's already won. And in the song it says, I don't know what you're doing, but I know what you've done. Right? We don't know what God's got next, but we know what he's done. And we can call on that God. Lord, you're the one who did this. Lord, you're the one who saved me in this moment. You're the one who healed me of this. Lord, you're the one who did this. You're the one who did that. That's what we need, Lord. We need that. And we start proclaiming what we know he's done, right? Then he goes through his whole part between 12 and 15, talking about just ways that God provides. And uh, we can go through that all day long. We could, If we were truly... Seeking the Lord, we would just be rejoicing over everything He's done. Like, and that's what He's doing. But then it comes down to verse 16 and it says, I have put my words in your mouth. This is God speaking. And covered you in the shadow of my hand, establishing the heavens and laying the foundations of the earth and saying to Zion, you are my people. He is, I think he has been trying for a long time to tell the church, you are my people. You are my people. Yet the church is so busy and distracted. 
With so much stuff going on, we've been shaking and we've been sitting here paying attention to what's going on and the shaking and what we're doing and this got to go on and that got to go on. I think the reason why you're seeing an outpouring in college kids is they're not as distracted as adults, right? They can stop, sit down at the feet of Jesus and pray and pray and pray and never have to worry about if anything's getting done. They don't have to worry about bills. They don't have to worry about, man, who's going to go to work for me? Am I going to lose my job? No. All they're worried about is Jesus. How many of you guys can say that? How many of you guys can say, I'm going to just come and I'm going to pray and pray and pray and I'm not worried about anything else? No, because the whole time you're going to be distracted by your mind saying, well, there's other stuff. What about this other stuff? And I think there's a difference. I'm not saying get rid of your job or anything else. I'm saying there has to be a time set apart for seeking the Lord. There has to be a time set apart saying, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. We have to have a point in time where we can sit there and say, God, we need you. Lord, I want you. And God's like, you're my people. Why are you not talking to me? Why are you not calling out to me? Why? Right? Then he goes on and he says, wake yourself. Wake yourself. Stand up, O Jerusalem. And that's interesting to me that he doesn't say, I'm going to awake you. He's telling us to wake. Wake yourself. And you're thinking like, well, I'm not that strong. You don't have to be. When you wake up in the morning, it didn't take any strength by you just opening your eyes and seeing and breathing and moving. And it's time for us to just wake up, to realize, hey, God's trying to do something. Wake up. Don't you see? Wake up. And stand up, O Jerusalem. You who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of the wrath, you who have drunk to the dregs the bowl, the cup of staggering. And this is him saying, you guys, have, right before this was the, the whole proclamation of the dark time and there was going to be wrath poured upon them. And guess what? We've been drinking that. We've been drinking the wrath of the Lord. His hand has not been upon us in a lot of what's been going on. And we have drank. I, I am of the thought process. We have drunk the dregs. We are at the bottom of that bowl of how bad it can get, maybe. It is rough. I don't know any of you looking in here that would say we've ever seen a rougher time than we have now. Right? We have drank it. We've drank from that cup, and God's like, hey. You've already drank that, right? And that's what he's telling Jerusalem. Jerusalem, you've already done that. You've already been through all the wrath. You've already been staggered by what, what's going on. And then he said, There is none to guide her among all the sons she has borne. There is none to take her by the hand among all the sons she has brought up. Speaking of Jerusalem. These two things have happened to you. Who will console you? Devastation and destruction, famine and sword, who will comfort you? We've seen destruction, we've seen famine, we've seen a, a, a ugly, an ugly world right now. But who is comforting us? What are we turning to for comfort? Right? Where's our comforter? And you're thinking like, well, God is. But are we truly going to God for our comfort? Are we turning to him? When Asbury happened, 
it was after a, a small teaching. It wasn't even a good teaching from what I understand. I'm like, good teaching, but not like this overwhelmingly powerful teaching that's going to rock the world. It was just a pastor talking about repentance. And then he, or a, a teacher, and he leaves. And the kid stayed in the sanctuary repenting. Saying, God, there has to be more. There's kids going to classes who the Holy Spirit said, there's more. And so they went right back to the sanctuary and began pressing in for more. They started asking for more of God, right? There's a young man at Lee University who's sitting in a class and he says to his professor, he said, why can't we have revival here? And the professor said, you could. He said, well, why not now? And the professor said, I don't know, you got to ask God. So you know what he did? He got eight people, and he went to a sanctuary, and he began seeking the Lord. And revival broke out at Lee University because he said it could happen right now. Why not? Why not us? Why not now? Isn't that that's two questions? Why not us? Why not now? And he was bold enough to make the, ask that question: Why not? Why not, Lord? And we should be bold enough to ask that same question: Why not me? Why not now? Why not us? And all they did was truly just seek the Lord, right? He became their comforter. He became the one they wanted, the one they seeked. Your sons have fainted. They lie at the head of the, every street like an antelope in a net. That's a picture. They are full of uh, the wrath of the Lord, the rebuke of your God. Therefore, hear this. You who are afflicted, who are drunk but not with wine, I would say our... our Society and even our church has been drunk, but not with wine. We've been drunk from just being shook, from being hit, from all the stuff we've gone through, and we're just like, I don't know. I have no idea what's going on. I don't know what I'm doing, right? Thus says your Lord, the Lord your God, who pleads the cause of his people. Behold, I have taken from your hands the cup of staggering. The bowl of my wrath you shall drink no more, and I will put it into the hand, uh, hand of your tormentors who have said to you, bow down, that you, we may pass over you, and you have made your back like the ground and like the street for them to pass over. And he is saying, you guys have been run over so much, the whole world's like, all these people have been uh, oppressing you, and there's been so many things going on. And as Christians, I don't know a Christian who doesn't feel like the world's just walked us over. Who doesn't feel like we haven't been beat down. And he said, hey, I'm about to turn that around. I'm about to turn that around. It's about to be a point to where you are rising up and they will feel the wrath. But he just wants us to turn to him. He just wants us to seek him. He wants us to wake up. And stop going through what we've been going through. Stop allowing the world to tear us down, to beat us down. If we would wake up, just wake up, he can do something. Right? Isaiah 60. I like Isaiah 60 better than Isaiah 51. Isaiah 51 just tells us we've been beat up and it's time to wake up. And we're like, yeah. We get that part. Yeah, we know, we know we've been beat down for the last two and a half years. Isaiah 6, he says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall uh, cover the earth, and thick darkness 
the peoples, and the Lord will rise, arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and a nation shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. It doesn't matter how dark this world gets. Our Lord is the light. He wants to shine upon us, but he also wants us to arise, to wake up, so he can shine through us. We were talking yesterday during men's group that just how messed up our world is. But could you imagine? I think still in America, 60-some-odd percent of Americans claim to be Christian. If 60-some-odd percent of our nation was shining the light of Jesus, guess what? That's the majority. A lot of things would change. But it starts with one. It has to start with you. You can't be like, why don't all of us just start shining the light of the Lord? You can't make other people shine the light of the Lord. You can't make other people wake up. But you can wake up, right? You can go shake somebody like God's trying to shake us, and they might wake up, but you can't make them wake up, right? You are responsible for waking yourself up. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall be shall thrill and exult. Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, the wealth of the nations shall come to you. And he is trying to explain that if we would just follow the Lord, we would shine that light. Families would change. People would change. They would end up coming towards you. And, and also the wealth of the world would start being here. That's one thing we never... We always point out in Scripture about how over and over in Scripture it talks about all the wealth and all the blessings we'll have in, in heaven. You know, a lot of times when it's talking about blessings, it's talking about the blessings right here on earth. And we forget that part. He wants to bless us here also. He don't want us to live in misery here and then make it to heaven. Right? Will there be rough times here? Yes. Will there be some misery here? Yes. But he also wants us to be blessed here. And the only way we can be blessed is if we turn to Him. It's the only way. And it's the only, and I don't know about you guys, but a bigger blessing to me than money is seeing people saved. But right now I would say we're probably not doing very good jobs on our own or as a church or a, a large body of seeing people saved because they don't see Christ. They don't see light shining. They don't see the church awake. They see a church that's beaten down and broken just as bad as them and living the same as they are because we don't know what to do. And God say, turn to me. Seek me. Wake up. It's time to wake up. And if we would wake up, come to life, something would happen. But if we just lay there and we're still dead, nothing happens. You're like, I'm not dead, I'm still breathing. Spiritually, wouldn't you say we might be a little bit dead? Isn't it very possible we're a little bit dead spiritually? And Tracy, you can come on up. I'm going to close out here in a minute pretty quickly. This is going to be short. I, I just want to cover a uh, a few thoughts on how revival happens, right? And I'm not talking like 
I'm not trying to get a Zuzu revival to happen here. I'm not trying like this great awakening to happen here. I'm talking about revival in our hearts. How we waken up, right? How we get to where we should be, right? There's a, and I think a lot of you know I've studied and I've studied and I've studied revivals. I know a lot about tons of revivals. And the thing I always take away from all of them is it had nothing to do with a person. It had nothing to do with great leadership. It had nothing to do with great preaching. Most revivals had no preaching or no leader. Most revivals just had people who were seeking, right? And, and as I said, the number one thing that ever happens for somebody to ever be revived or for a revival to break out is people to repent and to turn towards God. Number one thing is to repent and turn towards God. And when I say repent, I don't mean like say a prayer and like, Lord, I want to stop doing this. No, it actually means turning away from what you're doing and going towards Him. That's repentance, right? The number two thing is holiness. And it's not a word we use much anymore because it's got kind of been uh, hijacked by a lot of church meanings of holiness sounds like this weirdness type thing. But holiness just means you're set apart for the Lord. That you're saying, God, I'm yours. Lord, I'm here. I'm seeking you. So we turn from where we were and we dedicate ourselves to the Lord. So what these young people are doing. They're making an example for us that, hey, we're just turning to the Lord, right? The third thing that, that every single revival you study will show is there's prayer. Lots and lots of prayer. People are truly just pouring out to the Lord and letting Him speak to them. Prayer is just communication with God, and it takes us actually making that effort. You know, whenever I talk to people who are like, man, I've just been struggling, my faith ain't very strong, first thing I ever ask them is, well, how's your prayer life? Guess what every one of them says? Not very good. Guess what? Your spiritual life will not be good if your prayer life's not very good. It's impossible. You can know everything in Scripture, but if you're not praying, it won't matter. And the fourth thing, and I would say it's just as important as the other three, that I didn't even catch at first until a little while back, it dawned on me how important this is to the revival. Because you have to repent. You have to turn from what you're doing. You have to be set apart and you have to be praying. But just as important, you have to be worshiping. There's no pure relationship between you and God than when you began to worship Him and opening your heart up to Him and praising Him. If you can do those four things, and I'm not even a person who gives you a a four-part thing. I'm just telling you, that's what I see in every revival I've ever studied. It always starts with repentance, holiness, prayer, and worship. And then God can move. And He can do the same in our lives if we would just wake up And as I said, there's an outpouring going on right now. And we want that outpouring. We want to receive the Holy Spirit and what He's doing, that outpouring. But in order for it to be a revival, we not only got to wake up, we got to start shining God's light. That's what He said in Ephesians. Shine my light. Get out and shine. And if we want to see good fruit, we have to do that. And if we would just wake up and start shining... My goodness, what could God do? If the church was the church, 
Like every member of the church was doing what they were called to do. And we were seeking God. Boy, that'd be beautiful. I get excited thinking about it. And I don't even know what it looks like. I just know I'm excited about it. And I already see God doing stuff. I see God doing stuff within our within our people. I see God doing stuff around our communities. I see God moving mightily right now, not just in the colleges. But I don't want us to miss out on what He's trying to do right now. He shook us for a long time. Or allowed us to be shaken. But now it's time to wake up. Right? It's time to get moving. What did it say? Rise, awake, and stand. Say we stand. That's who we awake. So let's not stand to our feet. I'm going to pray. Grace is going to lead us in worship. And I'll tell you, I just hope we seek the Lord. I'm excited. It's been a long time, so I've been this excited about what God's doing. And uh, I don't want to miss it. Father God, we thank you for who you are, Lord. We are so grateful, God, that you are pouring yourself out to our young people. How exciting that you love them so much that you would do such, God. It's a beautiful thing, Lord, and we lift them up, God, that this would just be ongoing, Lord. God, that this would be uh, everlasting and ever-changing to their lives, God, that they would truly be revived, God. From what I'm understanding, these young people have such a heart for you, Lord, and I pray that that would be contagious, Lord. That we would just grab onto that, Lord. Help to wake us, God. Help us to turn from the way we've done things, God, and to turn towards you, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be set apart for you, God, not for anything else, Lord. Our lives don't need to be dedicated to work. Our lives don't need to be dedicated to to just family, Lord. Our lives need to be dedicated to you. And then you'll do the work. And you'll take care of the family. You'll do all the other parts, Lord, if we would just dedicate ourselves to you. God, help our prayer lives. Help us to just... Lord, we know your Holy Spirit is the only one who knows how to pray, Lord, properly to you. So let your Holy Spirit come in us and help us to pray, Lord, and be better at praying. And God, help us to just worship you so well, God. Oh, what a beauty and an honor it is to do so, Lord. So I ask that you wake us, Lord. You let our light shine all over the area, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. something I've uh, been thinking about here lately is if you were to to fall out right now and you were unconscious and an ambulance came and they resuscitated you and then they just drove away they didn't do you much good right they resuscitated you and left you be and sometimes as a church we will as a people will come to the Lord and will ask for resuscitation and we just walk away without figuring out what our problem was to begin with, without addressing, addressing the issues. And the way an ambulance works is they'll come and they'll resuscitate you and they'll get you in to get you diagnosed and figure out your issues and they'll begin to treat you and to help you get to the place where you're living a healthy life. And that's the way 
we should be with the Lord. We should not only come to the Lord and ask, hey, God, I, I need, I'm dying. And God's going to resuscitate you. But then you got to stay there and let Him diagnose your issues and to fix your issues. And it's not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing thing. And you have to be willing to change. I worked with a guy that, that went to the hospital, to the doctor, and his blood pressure was super high. And the doctor said, hey, you got to start watching what you eat and stop drinking or it's going to kill you. And he said, no, nah, bub, that ain't going to happen. Give me some medicine. Right? Let me tell you something. If, if that's your mindset, if you're just like, look, Lord, I, I, I went to the altar, but nothing's changed. And God's like, hey, look, I'm trying to tell you, man, there's more. you got to do more. And you're like, no, nah, I can't. Just fix me the way, right where I'm at. God's going to be like, I, I've told you how you get fixed. You're just not willing to do it. Right? We have to be willing for a life change to, to not just get resuscitated. Right? That's, that's why they're, you don't go quick into saying people are revived. You go quick into saying there's an outpouring going on. The Holy Spirit's moving. But it's on us if we get revived. If, if they try to take you to the hospital and you leave, guess what? They can't help you. If you come to the Lord and then you walk away, He can't really do much for you. Right? So I'm going to close this in prayer. And if you need prayer, I'm here. Keith's here. Um, but most importantly, make sure you're praying. We can pray with you. But we're not God. So if you're not taking it to God, it doesn't really matter if we pray for you or not. Father God, we thank you for who you are, Lord. God, I love our people here, God. You've given us such wonderful people. I'm excited for what you're doing, Lord. I know you're going to do a great work, not only here, Lord, but in Evansville and in the communities, Lord. You already are, Lord. You're pouring yourself out upon your people, God. And I pray that we would be so hungry and so wanting you so much, Lord, that we wouldn't just come whenever we need a quick fix, Lord, but we would allow you to just completely change us, Lord. That we let you set us on fire, God, that you would wake us and we would shine, Lord. We need you, Lord. Jesus, you truly are the great physician. And so I pray you would do surgeries on our heart, Lord. That you bring healings where we need them. And you would teach us a new diet, Lord. Change us all, Lord Jesus. Amen. Love you all.